This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 725, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Hello, 
Welcome to my fanboy Pig Week episode 725. I am Connor Kilpatrick. This is my co-host Josh Flanagan. Well, hello there. And joining us this week, former Marvel PR maven, current internet mogul <laughs> at comicbook.com, Jim Biscardi. Hello. Internet his, mogul. Ooh. His new book, From Maven to Mogul, <laughs> 12 Recipes for Running the Internet. It's coming saw, out soon. I saw somebody <laughs> use the word Maven the other day, and it occurred to me. I was like, I don't know if I don't know if I've ever used that correctly because I don't know exactly what it means. But it was like, yeah, it, it sounds good. It, it do, does sound it, good. Though? Like it sound like I don't know. Like it has an old timey. Like I picture like a '30s movie star. Well, that's what I that's what I prefer to talk like. So that's for <laughs> me. It sounds good. I don't say I walk anywhere. I say I ankle places. So this is going to be the show now talking about old timey phrases. <laughs> Because we are a fanboy, and normally we read our comics and talk about them, but uh, nothing's normal now. There are hardly any comics, if any at all. I'd like to thank the patrons for unlocking the complete diversion episodes. (laughs) Right, so we're going to just roll with whatever the world brings us going forward until things get back to normal, and who knows when that's going to be. So hopefully you come along for the ride. It's going to be weird. But but here's the thing. We are going to keep going. And yeah, and, 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 I, and I know that like last week I think when when we tweeted out the show we said something like our last regular show and I mm-hmm. can see how that would have been misinterpreted and so that's the last show like that sounds like the other ones we do but we I mean if nothing else is clear we don't know how to stop we made sure to say last regularly formatted show it's yeah, just yeah, the, yeah. the nuance of it that people sometimes miss. So, I, but I feel uh, like you've done that a few times where you've tweeted something out and everyone has just been like, "Oh my god, the show is ending." Because we yeah. could take this thing that we've done for our entire adult lives and just casually toss off as an afterthought that we were going to quit. Yeah, literally, we've done this in three financial crises. Um, <laughs> we're still going. Well, that's not true. We've done our fan with three financial crises. Anyway, this is boring. Let's talk about comics because there were some this week. Uh, here's a spoiler warning. There will be some review shows for these comics, one of them which is nine pages long. So uh, Exercise some caution. If you, Technically, there were seven pages of content. <laughs> if you care. Josh, you had the pick of the week this week, and you got real lucky. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, this could be it for comic stuff for a while, so I want you to suck this up. All right? <laughs> we're going to do our best with it, um, but uh, there we are. Yeah, so I subscribed to uh, Terry Moore's Five Years uh, via Comixology, and I was very happy to see that it came out this this week. And also, like, it's funny because if you think – um. Uh, how long ago now at least 10 years maybe 20 there was a vibrant independent publisher scene which does not exist in nearly the same way well it does it's just there's so many thousands of them now that nobody ever rises to the top necessarily or can survive in the direct market to put that more clearly well, i don't even think terry survives in the direct market exactly and he is the best of them is my point you know had, like knew what he was doing whatever but you know like r- this week you know, they went, they did their thing. They put it on Comixology. They said, damn the torpedoes. Do this. Well, that's what's great about him. You know, he does everything, him and his wife. And this is five years number nine. Yes. And uh, was that, you know, DC put out a bunch of their their digital only books. And that was really the only thing that came out that we were really, you know, in our wheelhouse. But then Josh is like, oh, five years came out. Because mm-hmm. they're not restricted by whatever is restricting everybody else. So I was like, oh, Thank God. Yeah. And, it, you know, like the thing about it was he gets pick of the week sort of by uh, default in a way. I mean, we read some other books. We read some other things that were actually kind of fun. I think we'll talk about those. But this really did have a, a comfort food feeling. This felt to me like reading an, an issue of Strangers in Paradise. It really, in the way that his other series 
that have been between strangers and this sort of didn't because he was doing a different thing. It was a different genre. And, and it always gonna, is going to feel like Terry Moore, you know, but this has those characters in it. And in fact, he had like sort of the, you know, the dreamy, <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm at a loss of words, the more artsy fartsy segment at the beginning. Well, you know. uh, he, that was that, but also kind of too un- uncomfortably on the nose. Yes. About the incoming death. And I was like, I don't know. Come on, Terry. I read mean, the room. He he couldn't have known. He'd already set this up. Oh, I up. know. I just I was reading this two pages of the meditation of this guy who's dying because he's been stabbed by is it Zoe, that girl's name? Yeah. And I was just like, Well, this is very well done. I understand what he's doing, but let's uh, this is a bumming me out. So I'm glad it only lasted for two pages. It was yeah, you're right. And uh the thing was the, the thing that actually reminds me the most about Strangers in Paradise, and it's not it's not that Kachu and Francine are in this, it is, but I, one of the things that was really interesting about Tr- Strangers in Paradise that would made it stand out, really, is that he would get away from, it, it's so easy to describe that book as a relationship book or whatever, and it's people hanging up, but like, that shit got wacky. There was, mm-hmm. you know, there was, Espionage. yeah, violence and action and spies and killing and like all this stuff, and they would really, they, he would really, you know, take you way out there before bringing you in, and so this, none of this stuff the, the supernatural, or I guess it's physics, however he's phrasing it. Stuff well, there's the, both. There's 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 people yeah. of like mythology in the book, so it's both. Yeah. It's yeah. But still, like the fact is, like we've got a little girl in Russia killing a dude, and and because I read that book for so long, I can I can roll with that as part of this book. Like it it kind of works, and you can still do the little cute thing where she gets you know a crush on the scientist that they find and have to break him out, and she's a complete trooper. I think the toughest. And best scene in the book was, uh, and I'm saying this, was the dream sequence that Kachu had about her and her family on the beach, you know, when it goes down. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole story here is that, and I'm, Jim, are you, I don't know if you read any of these books or anything. No, really. well, that's the thing that, like, the thing I was going to say was, like, Terry, to me, he does people so well that, like, you, you buy into these characters and everything that he just kind of puts onto the page, like just kind of works. And even when it does get weird, yeah. you don't really, you like, you know, it's weird, but you don't think it's weird because you already like, know. you feel like, you know, these characters so, so well and so much. So it's, it's just all, like, yep, I'm it's here. It's all grounded in their humanity. He's very yeah. good at, at bringing that out. So we've talked about this book before, and I just want to make sure people like know what we're talking about. This is the culmination series of all of his previous works. So you've got the Strangers in Paradise characters, you've got the Echo characters, you've got the uh, what was the one the one before this, right before this with the the, the Rachel Rising the, Gorilla, Rachel Rising, uh, and then the last one the, with the, the, the Gorilla Marine. Yeah, that one. Had the Gorilla, the can- Motor Girl, <laughs> Motor Girl. Motor so he's got girl. all those characters together to team up because uh, they found out that the Phi bomb is it. That's how you say it. Phi. I would say so. Yeah. The five bomb is being developed by both the United States and Russia, and that this bomb, once unleashed, will cause all of the air in the planet to ignite into a firestorm and kill everyone. And so they're racing against time. They've got five years to stop it because they have, they have Rachel. Is Rachel the one? See, I'm Rachel is the yes, the first. I'm holding on by my fingernails for the details of the, the characters and all that stuff Rachel, in terms of yes, no, I agree. Of, so uh, the little character moments here, mm-hmm. I love. But the overall story, which there's like six blondes who all have the same nose, mm-hmm. like that stuff, I'm really holding on my fingernails as not being the expert, not having read all of Strangers in Paradise. Yeah. Um, and sort of losing it a bit with the timeline of who these characters are in mythology. But the stuff with like Zoe and killing the guy and then breaking into the scientist's headquarters and then 
falling in love with the scientist because she's like 12 or whatever and she gets a crush on the cute you know scientist that i loved all that stuff and that was great yeah um, i thought this issue was terrific i mean it was you know it came out in a weird week but like if you admit the pick anyway in a normal week i would have been totally understandable because like, of course the art's amazing and and uh the character work is it's interesting because you're not wrong that many of the blonde lady characters look similar but because of that as i mean two are sisters but the other ones all also look like sisters. and i think but i think that then it it like makes me focus on sort of what it is that he's doing differently and i can see differences and i think it's probably more obvious to him as an artist than us and also i think black and white does not help necessarily um, mm-hmm. In that instance, because at least if it was color, you would know like their shirts are a different color or something like that. But right. it's black and white. You know, I'm guessing if you took the color out of a lot of comics, it would look like this. This is why they should all wear superhero costumes. I mean, that, that, <laughs> you mean I think that that's a very good reason why superheroes became the preeminent, you know, force in the comic book medium because it was so easy to tell the characters apart. That sort of iconography made it a lot easier. But what I was going to say though is that when so I'm looking at this page on uh, page 20 in your digital reader. Um, where scroll and you've got the one girl who's standing up on the phone like her hair is yeah. different uh and her eyebrows are different you know than kachu who is disheveled and has bruises and then you mm-hmm. cut down to the bottom and you've got uh the tough one um and you're like she is always designated by her the tambi tambi yes right i yeah. just left my head tambi is designated by her like her she's you know, muscular tall yeah, her tall sort of big bobby the marine body Thank you. And and like her eyebrows, like she's always, you know, so they're always sort of furrowed, um, you know, and just her posture. Um, and also, for some reason, she has a Bluetooth earpiece because <laughs> this is she's, a fantasy world. She's doing TV from home. Uh, so that was a joke from our show. Talk before the show. Uh, I do want to mention before we move on that he opens every issue with like a really intricate, uninked pencil, pencil drawing. And those are all might be my favorite part of the issues. Just I, because it's it's the pure art of yeah, it, it's beautiful. I just love looking. I there, I just look at these. This is a two page spread of like I guess Mos, you know, Moscow. Yeah, and it's like how long did he did he take to do this? And he is a crazy person. Also, I can tell that that is cold freezing Moscow just by looking at it. Like yeah. I don't need a thing there. I think that's beautiful. Uh, I actually really like it, that same way. I think some of my favorite panels in this are the outdoor overhead shots. Like he's drawing, you know, the snowy staircases and the overhead shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just I I love that. I, There's I, so much ink on the page. Yeah, but it's not like blots of it. Like it's all, you know, he's he's he doesn't really like uh, do blacks like say Chris Somney does them, where no. he's sort of painting with mm-hmm. blacks. There, he's he's working on lines more. He's like not using things. blacks for texture or yeah. for depth or anything. It's more like and, Stan uh, Sky in that way. It's very much like Stan Sky. It's almost like flat, but it yeah. really works. And um, I'm glad we have a like a high end black and white book that's still coming out from one of those you know, legendary eighties and nineties. And I like, I like that it has an enough, I'm trying to phrase this lack of polish. It has, it is a handmade quality to how I'm looking at the, the art and the pages. And I, I love that. So that's that. There's your, there's your, we're going to, we're going to have a pick of, we're going to have a pick of some kind. Every, we're sticking with that. The show is the pick of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that means. That's a, that's a good question. That Next week. Pick of the week is rum. That will be, <laughs> that question will be answered maybe at the last moment, but it will be. So, so there you go. That's, that's a comic book pick of the week. We'll get back to it at some point. So as I said earlier, we had uh, four, no, three DC digital only books that came out. We're going to, we're going to drop an Archie book in there too. Um, and one of them was Teen Titans go to camp number six. And the, the, the tough thing about these digital releases is that when they go to print, 
they're usually compiling like six issues of these digital books together. So this is more like a chapter. Um, I was into this story and then all of a sudden it was over because it was six pages long. Um, so this and also is not those pages like, are half page, right? right just half. like squares. Like so, what they usually do for these books is they cut the page in half and make them make them horizontal for the for your iPad. So you're really only getting like a quarter of a book. So that's just what we're dealing with here. So Teen has to go to camp number six. I haven't read this before. Josh, I know is a big fan of the show, and his kids are. Um, so I only read this issue. Obviously, I read through all. I actually had had them all downloaded to read with the kids at some point, but I hadn't. So I read all of them, and and to allay your fears, like every um odd numbered issue seems to be a lot longer than every even numbered issue um so like those were more like i think the first one was 30 something pages and then one was 20 one was 18 but then the ones in the middle there was a seven page one uh i'll just say this i thought the it was written by shawley fish yeah he writes all of them art by abigail larson what an unusual and interesting art style that they chose for this and i really liked that yeah i was like i was shocked i was expecting it to look like the cover which is drawn to look at the cartoon and then I get in, and it's this really weird indie art style almost. And uh, I was like, wow, that's interesting. This was so the most was extreme fun. of them. Um, the first chap, like basically what you've got is they go to, um, they're going to go to camp, and then all of the letters home are the short ones, and they're done by other artists. They're getting mm. little, little artsy parts. Uh, the ones, the, the, uh, the bracketing sort of parts are done in the traditional style. This one is the most out there. Are they in camp on Apocalypse? Yes. Because they're in camp with like Calabac and yes, they're the, yeah. The year, see the year prior. They what is had, the insurance premium on that? It, <laughs> it's different for superheroes. So just just so the 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 overall story is that uh, they went to camp last year, and when they went, Robin was way 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 too competitive, and he ruined everything. And so they have to go to a different camp this year, and they go to Apocalypse. And these are the letters home. It's called an overcorrection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I do. I love the show. I think it's really funny. I think Sholly Fish does a very good job at sort of getting those uh, character voices down. Although it does, it does lose something in the comic transition. You know, in from moving. Well, it always does. That's always a problem with with licensed yeah. books. But you know, they're fun little little bits. And and you know, and when I can read them to the kids, I do the voices. It's a good time. Hmm. Jim, did you read this one? I, I did. Um, and it was funny because I said, like, you know, my kids has gotten really into Titans go. I think the the movie is what really got her into him. And so um I mean I I really I really enjoy the show. And so when I, you know, first opened this, I thought uh, I haven't been reading this. And so when I picked it up in the first like just two panels of the you know of the story is uh you know a, a trigon minion whatnot just you know seemingly going about normal business and then trigon like he is in the show, just being like, yeah, 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 it's fine. I'm reading a, I'm reading a letter from my daughter. And I was just like, okay, this is very much carries a lot of the same tone. Uh, I was not expecting the art to be like this at all. And it's, um, it's, it just, it looks great. Um, mm-hmm. and to sort of have that kind of balance against the, the humor a bit with the, the show, you know, the, the group is, um, was fun. Is is Aqualad in the team? He's so there's the gag is that there's Teen Titans East. <laughs> that team consists of I don't remember all the characters, but but Aqualad is in on that team and Speedy 
And, oh, because Arsenal's there, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's he's Speedy in this, and the joke is that Robin is very competitive with, with Speedy, and he hates him, but Speedy's really good at everything. He's not an asshole about it, but like everything he does is better, and Robin can't stand it, and it's been the running gag for the whole thing. It's very funny, because I love cause the idea that there's the Teen Titans, but then there's the Teen Titans East. They're just on the other side of town, and they're rivals. I love it. It's I like Friday it. Night Lights. I love that it's just wacky uh, uh, silliness, and they they can sort of go all over the place with it. Um, yeah, and the, and the the characters are really consistent and they're fun. So from Archie Comics this week, they released this was their sole digital release, and their sole digital release, I guess, for the foreseeable future, was Sabrina the Teenage Witch number one from uh, Kelly Thompson and Veronica and Andy Fish, Jack Morelli as well, and. Uh, so I don't know much about Sabrina, even though I've someone who's always read Archie comics. I didn't really go delve into that side of the the story. I never, I don't watch the show on Netflix. I I don't really read the Sabrina book, so I didn't really. I'm not really familiar with the characters that all that much, other than when she like randomly appears, like in um, the zombie Archie book, whose life afterlife with Archie, which sadly disappeared, never came back. Um, I loved that book too. It's such a great book. I mean, so this issue was interesting because it felt like to me anyway, that you needed to have some sort of baseline familiarity with the characters because they didn't really give you anything, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I found myself sort of wondering who everybody was. Um, I like the art for the most part. I think the art was was hit or miss. I think for the most part, overall, I do I did really like it. I liked, again, we just mentioned this, it, there's a, a hand-drawn quality to it. I'm sure it's digital. But, uh, you know, there's just sort of a looseness to it that I thought was really fun. But there were bits... And it tended to be with the, for some reason, the outdoor scenes with the boys that she was mm-hmm. going to, like the the guy's faces. When the second boyfriend guy comes along, it just I was like, that's not a good drawing, for whatever reason. Like, it just <laughs> seemed kind of, I don't know, looser than everything else, or or you know, malformed. Uh, other than a couple of pages, though, for the most part, I thought it was great. I thought the Sabrina, you know, all of her, the character model, the, the, she's yeah. greatly acted. I think it's it's really wonderful. It reminds me a little of um, the art style from Crowded. Uh, it's a little mm-hmm. I really like the uh, the coloring and production of it, though, a lot. I thought that. Was, yeah, that I, I think nice. the the coloring of this is really what what got me, you know, kind of through uh, most of it because, um, again, I'm kind of with Connor. I I kind of didn't know what kind of to expect to come coming into this and by the end of it i still didn't know really what i was yeah i didn't really know the the hook yeah i didn't feel like that i meaning just like i don't know anything about it. i don't even read any archie comics but basically <laughs> and just as a as a note as we were just talking about this was with uh five years is that um just by making her hair white you always know who she is Nobody oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Like, um, but she's a superhero. That sense. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and but you know, I I kind of I think the story is you know she's trying to do everything at once and she's burning the candle at both ends. Uh, and it's a magic candle, and you know she's got her mothers and there's a there's or her witch, you know, ants. I think. They are. Ants. Yeah. You know. Yep. I mean, like I was pretty straightforward. No, no, I, no, that's all the story. I'm not saying the story was. On, yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that at the end of it, I didn't really feel a, a compelling hook with the characters or the story itself. Like I didn't know enough about them to. I guess I don't know enough about Sabrina to care about what happens to her, and that's not. I mean, that sounds I mean, overly me, harsh, but it just feels like, like a teen with a job story, and so that was all. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. That was the fact, and then she has you know two boys who want to go out with her, and she's got family drama at home. Like if you take out the magic, that's sort of the deal, I think. Oh, for sure, and that's basically Archie Comics in yep. a nutshell. You know, um, 
they even flip gender script here on the love triangle. But, um, you know, I, if I was a T- Sabrina fan, I might feel differently. I just don't know enough about the character to really feel compelled to read more. And That's I don't all. know if it's Man in the Desert thing or what. Sure. But I was like, I enjoyed it. Like, I, it was much better than I think I was expecting. Um, I didn't does... hate reading it because it was like a full-length comic story. Sure. And also, you know, Kelly Thompson uh, wrote it. She is not. You know, she's good. She's, yeah, she's mm-hmm. skills. Uh, you know, it was it was it was well made. It was, uh, and, and you know, at this point, really, like, <laughs> oh, a whole comic book. <laughs> Spoil me. Listen, in comparison to Genlock, fourteen, it was like water in an oasis on a desert walk. So, and I don't fault this book. This is one of DC's digital releases in conjunction with Rooster Teeth, which is a production company and uh, distributor of content online. Uh, so and, this and, is, and now also uh, is is headed by uh, a now more famous Josh Lanigan. So that's fine. <laughs> so, um, that's oh fine. really? Yeah, no, yeah. He's the. I was the. Your, I was the your top, Twitter nemesis, Josh Flanagan. Yeah, I was the top Josh Flanagan on the internet for quite a while, and then one day I realized I wasn't, and it's the Josh Flanagan associated with Rooster Teeth, who who him and I are, are Twitter friends, and and he's a he's a lovely person from what I can tell. Well, you should tell everyone you became Twitter friends because people were constantly tweeting at him, thinking you were him. He was you. Yeah. Yeah, they were constantly talk, talking about comics. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and then you became friends because of that. So that's nice. Suck it. No, <laughs> he's still my that nemesis. Happened, that happened to me with the Connor Kilpatrick with two ends who lives in Brooklyn and writes about politics uh, on Twitter. Back when I was on Twitter, he would constantly get tweets from uh, from people thinking he was me. And then I was getting tweets about his political stuff, which you can imagine were very dicey. And I was like, why are people yelling at me about trans rights? And then... Uh, <laughs> Realize it was because we, because we, because he's C. Kilpatrick and I'm C.S. Kilpatrick. Anyway, um, back to Genlock. Uh, there's no, there's no need to do that. This was a, I mean, this is the final issue. And I will say this it's about, it seems to be, I don't know anything about this. It seems to be about mecha, kids fighting mecha robots. It was kind of like that really good book from Boom. Uh, what was that called? Uh, that we really liked. I'm so tired. The one, the one that Ron and I really liked from Boom. Anyway, this seems to be like kids piloting mecha robots. For one of those. This issue is mostly one giant mecha robot fight. But I did actually, without knowing a thing about the characters, there was one scene I really did like that I thought you could you could feel the impact from the context clues was was after the fight that that blonde girl is in the VR world and then the kid joins her and she says, I made the world for you because you don't ever know how to take a break and you're addicted to games. So this is a VR world with no game component and... And for whatever reason, it really worked for me, that particular scene. Like, I got the emotion of it. I got, you know, the, the kid said, play my dad's mixtape. Well, he's sort of alone in the world. I thought that was nice. I didn't know what, the, what it all meant, but I thought it was a nice scene. Yeah, I, I, I actually, the same thought. Um, I thought that was a nice scene. The first part of it, the whole time, it was, it was, it seemed very standard. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, they're not Transformers, but they look a lot like Transformers. And when I say a lot, <laughs> those are Transformers. Um, and, and like, that part of it, everything up until that scene was incredibly, like, by the book. Are these characters, what are these characters? Are these Rooster Teeth characters? Or are these, yeah, it's oh, it's a television series. It's a television series, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. What are these characters? What is what is what this? Is this? <laughs> Why? Why, Why is this? <laughs> I yeah, I assume this works well if you like the show. I don't know. Did you do you, did you know anything about this, Jim? Was this- I I did not. Uh, it looked. 
I, 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 it's one of those things where I feel like it was vaguely familiar, and then the more I read it, I was like, no, this is definitely not a thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, but like, but I, I appreciate kind of the aesthetic. Kind of like, I'm always a kind of a sucker for big robot. There's people who love Mecca. Yeah, like I, I love Our old that host stuff, Paul. So. You get him a Mecca story, he's all in. The uh, so the variety of you know I guess this team uh, you know with, yeah one that was basically a rabbit which I thought was pretty cool um, and there I was like okay no I will uh, I, part of it had me I actually went back and read uh, the chapter before this one just mm. to see if I can get a bit more context uh, and I will probably end up going back to read the whole thing oh wow one it's not one it's not very long but two it kind of feels like something that may be my jam so I'm there gonna you give go it a success. Shot. Ta-da. And I realize it's mech and not mecha. I just like saying mecha because it's more fun. Yeah, it's an extra syllable. Same thing. It's it's meta mecha. <laughs> so uh, we still had a patron pick. Those are the books we wanted to talk about, but and by wanted means those are the only books we that came out. Uh, <laughs> at Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Anyone can vote to do so. And because it was only uh, five books or four books, we we had a different way of voting this. We just threw a poll up on and and. So a lot more of the people voted, which was nice. So the pick, the patron pick, was Batman The Adventures Continue, number one, written by Paul Dini and Alan Burnett, the team from the animated series, and art by Ty Templeton, colors by Monica Kubina, and letters by Joshua Reed. And this is, again, an animated, um, a digital first book, so it's sideways, but it's, it's a little bit longer than the other ones. And uh, this is interesting because it is the continuing adventures of the cartoon world but correct me if i'm wrong jim this is based on the toy line yes because if i remember the end of the show correctly this does not pick up there (laughs) so So. first of all comic series based on toy lines not unusual we're going to talk about another one later in the show uh there was of course famously superpowers in the 80s that jack kirby drew for dc like they it's been a lot of uh apocalypses (laughs) like Basically, so um, I've been an avid collector of the Batman the Animated Series toy line. I have almost all the the, the figures, but at Comic-Con this past year, the last Comic-Con we ever had, uh, <laughs> they had. Int- I was excited to see which new ones they had because they hadn't done all the characters yet, and all of a sudden I see Deathstroke, and I see Jason Todd Red Hood, and I see characters, and I see uh, Azrael Batman characters never on the TV, on the show, and I got real Batman upset. Batman Who Laughs, I think they introduced. Oh, yeah, and I got, so I got real upset about that. I'm sorry, we don't talk about him here. So, <laughs> so apparently, this is this is based on those new figures, and as and as a matter of course, Jason Todd makes a shadowy appearance. Of course, he was mm-hmm. never on the show, so it'll be interesting to see how they figure that out because they went right from Dick Grayson to Tim Drake on the cartoon. Um, so anyway, but they and they and they mentioned Tim in yeah. this, and so I'm like, okay, is that's where I was like, is it? kind of in continuity and then i was like oh no it's definitely not so we have a t-shirt for for this because it doesn't make sense but you know what's funny is like i had no idea there was a batman animated series continuity i just thought it was all episodic and and there you go so i mean I it, like, it's oh. basically yes because yeah, right, whatever okay. but that's because so, i read this and i'm just like oh it's just a batman animated series story rad i mean and that's I, and I, that's I, I so just like give you the context of why this came about is yeah. it's based on these new characters from the toy line Mm-hmm. I also, which has been, which has been very successful for them. They've been sure. they have sold many toys to people like Connor. Um, <laughs> That's right. Not children. <laughs> Certainly not children. Um, the trick is to have I them just, delivered to your office. 
<laughs> I wondered. I wondered if this was older, repurposed content as opposed to new stuff. No. Nope. And then I, I, I guess it's new. It's definitely new. This is supposedly all new. <laughs> I say I say that in that like I don't know maybe Paul Paul and Alan wrote these years ago and they're just like hey you got a because because there used to be like an animated series yeah. comic series there was several so of them took, they were really good I just figured this was just more of that that they just dug up and. So well, I, I, it's got to be new because they're basing on these toys, unless somehow they've written all those characters into a new book and they decided to make toys out of them. Anyway, and, and they somehow and it's formatted, and they somehow thought of Batman who laughs, which means we should hunt them down and destroy them. Anyway, um, <laughs> putting all that aside, I liked this a lot. I love. I always love when Batman goes up against Lex Luthor because yep. they're very different but very similar people. Um, animated series. Superman and Batman, Lex Luthor is maybe my favorite. He Lex is Luthor. after after Gene Hackman, the best Lex Luthor ever ever seen. <laughs> um, I just the look on his face, the way they do his sort of droll expression and mm-hmm. his eyebrows, like he's always like, yeah, I know. Like I was, I was enjoying it. It was, it was fine. And then Lex Luthor showed up. I was like, oh, so that's when it got going for me. Um, up until that, it was fine. I mean, I, Ty Templeton is good at doing the style. Uh, you know, I, I'm. I'm old, so I miss Mike Parabek, who did the original books before he um, unfortunately passed away too early. But um, he just had a, mar- a spark to him. That uh, my issue, I think, was that the coloring was a bit bold here, yes, as opposed to the you know more muted tones that I guess I'm kind of used to for for that world. I guess. Right. You know what it felt like to me? I, I think I I liked the art, but it was it was like simple, too simplistic by like a like a tiny measure right. it was yes. just like there was just like a yeah. little or, or it kind of looks like it was zoomed in too much hmm. like it like all the letters are too big all the lines well, that's are because too, it's half a page zoomed up to a full page so yeah i know but i feel like if it was it feels like it was made for this format i mean like there's nothing mm-hmm. that looks like they had to sort of jigger it so it was it was done like this on purpose but it's just done in sort of this big bold thing and maybe it's you know so the kids or whoever will read it but it, it just felt off a little bit uh, in that way that's this was almost my pick of the week though i mean i just like i almost made this that sure. i went back and forth on it. i i really enjoyed it i yeah, yeah. you know giant robot attacks so. gotham and then batman defeats it and but he's investigating where it came from and then as the course of the investigation finds out lex luther's involved and yeah then one of his exes shows up at a cocktail party where he meets lex and so there's a lot of elements going on here and then of course as we mentioned you've got shadowy jason todd uh, watching the proceedings but so i also kind of like the like the shade a bit thrown Superman's way uh, in this. That's just like, you know, it's, he's, he's clearly off world somewhere. He's not answering anyone's calls. And, uh, you know, Bruce makes it, tries to make a call to him. And Alfred just like, you're not going to leave him a message. And he's like, he's not here, Alfred. (laughs) I mean, the moment that the moment that, uh, Lex shows up in this, this becomes a real comic book, Mm -hmm. like a, a real story that I was into. Um, there, I mean, like I'm actually looking at those pages. It's literally just those two men talking Yeah. and that was the most wrapped part. And that's not how it's supposed to work. Uh, mm-hmm. but that's how good that is. Well, that's how I mean, good dialogue. Good character work makes it work. Um, I mean, there's a lot of dialogue. It's like Todd McFarlane in the nineties yeah. doing spawn, you know, balloons, but, uh, it's but good dialogue. Notice. That's the whole point. Yeah. And you can hear the voice in your head, the Clancy Brown, uh, oh, terif- yeah. the terrific Lex Luthor voice. And, uh, it's great. It was great. That scene. And I lo- the book was fun. I liked it. I'm, I'm, I will probably read more of it if they keep putting it out. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I liked it. So that's the patron pick. Fun. 
We got to do ratings on it. Ratings, ratings out of five stars. I'm going to give it... I'm giving it a solid 3.75. Hmm. I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to go four. Yeah, I really liked it. All right, so there you go. Patreon.com slash fanboy. Will there be another patron pick? Find out. Tune in next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Uh, patron powers. We're moving it up on the show. So uh, if you give the $5 or higher level at the patreon.com slash fanboy, you get your own power live on the show. And uh, we think everyone does that, by the way. We thank everyone who supports the show in any form, and we'll get to that in a minute. But let's start off, Josh, thanking our first patron. Oh, well, the first patron here is uh, Len Schmidt. Schmidt. Len Schmidt. I always like to pronounce that D in there. Like, you ever made a branded? Brand? <laughs> that, was my, that was my wife's last boyfriend before I came along. His name was Branded. <laughs> And I've been making fun of him for two decades. <laughs> I don't know anything about him. <laughs> but Len Schmidt. <laughs> Len Schmidt's power is to not let things go. No. Um, <laughs> uh, Len Schmidt, uh, no Lego can hide from him. Mm. And this comes in handy for several reasons. If you're, you're building a thing uh, and you can't find that piece, for example, if you happen to be putting back together your, your Star Wars cantina that your, that your son took apart at some point, and you just can't find that one goddamn eight by two plate <laughs> anywhere. That doesn't Len doesn't have that problem. And then also there is the there's no inadvertent stepping on Legos uh, that that are unseen. Mm-hmm. N- no Legos can hide from him. So, but if he knows where the Lego piece is, like, is he going to have to like tear apart his house if it's stuck under a couch somewhere? Or he can he can okay. Do you, do you ever play Assassin's Creed? Yeah. Okay. You know when you do the vision, like you send the eagle oh, up or whatever, and you highlight yeah. all the people, and then you can see where they all are, even through walls and stuff? Mm-hmm. That's Legos. They stand uh, out to it. That's, that's A-plus power right there. He's yeah. like the Josie Mack of Legos. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a good power if like he has he likes Legos or he's got kids around or whatever. You know, if he's like a single dude with no kids that doesn't do anything with Lego, <laughs> it's not. You know, the only, you know when it would come in handy, though? If he was like, you know, those the they have the the little pouches that have the Lego, like you can't tell what's in them, mm-hmm. and some oh, of them oh, are yeah, worth the more money. Boxes. So mm-hmm. he could have a whole job of doing that, just going around buying those things, finding all the rare ones. That would make him an asshole. But I mean, <laughs> hey, you, you do, do what that. you got to do. It's true. All right, you have the gift. Use the gift. <laughs> all right, Jim, you're up. Uh, all right, uh, Carl. Degra? I think that's a accent on the E that got converted to a weird character in this ah. format. So Degre? 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 Carl Degre. <laughs> uh, his power is to be able to turn any pair of shoes, doesn't matter what, into slippers and back again if if needed. Um, we have we're gonna have very similar powers. Uh, Mr. Rogersism. <laughs> yeah, it is a. Uh, you know he's he gets home does you know if he's a, a household he's at a household that you know do you need house shoes or house slippers or whatever sure. he can he can make them happen with the shoes that he's got on uh, or shoes that someone else has on very easy or if he just you know wants to be a bit more comfortable instead of the work boots he may have worn all day I feel like uh, we're in a slippers renaissance right now we are we are he's very very handy friend to know. Normally, I only pull them out for like the holidays when it's cool, a little bit colder. But now I'm like, screw it, slippers. <laughs> As a person who is always home, yeah, uh-huh. and also who 
I have some foot problems. <laughs> like my, my feet hurt a lot. I like, I still like shoes. I always wear shoes. It drives my wife crazy. She's like, why are you wearing shoes now? So I'm like, that's what I do. This is just, this is a feature. It's not a bug. And then my other question is who says house shoes? Because I've heard it, but I, does it, do people still? I feel like that's very old True. people who say that. But is do you say that, or is I don't know? I'm I'm wondering. I don't know. I see it on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's regional. I bet it's like pop. <laughs> Chris Kabul. It's a great last name. Chris Kabul can transmute any one food into another food. So, oh. let's say you're stuck at home, and you don't have really access to food, but you got a lot of one kind of food, but you need another kind of food. Chris can change it. If you're out of, if you're cooking and you're missing one ingredient, he can change the, you know, stores of uh, uh, <laughs> potato chips you've got into cilantro or whatever it is you need for that recipe. Oh, all right. So Chris can transmute whatever one food to another food. Oh, that's useful. That's very useful. As a person who doesn't like cheese, and then <laughs> and then when you tell somebody not to put cheese on something. Or there's cheese in something that is not included in the description of the item, <laughs> leading to like like it does it lists fifty things here and you didn't say cheese. It just comes with cheese. That's not okay, but that would help because I feel you like once we were on a trip, Josh, cheese. and you we had that like you ordered a sandwich and there was cheese on it, but didn't say it, and they were like, oh. We just thought you'd want cheese. You're like, I don't want cheese. <laughs> that happens a lot, and and like, because I don't always, because I don't like to do the, like the pre, like no, this doesn't have cheese on it, right? Because if it doesn't, then they're like, no, it didn't fucking say cheese. But if you're, you don't ask, you're an asshole either way. Is the lesson <laughs> yeah. for your life? That's the point. Can I ask a quick question about this power sure. though? Yeah. Um, the uh, you know, does the food have to be the same size? So it's like the same he, mass, yeah. So it's not like he can okay, turn so like ooh, a so jelly. So if he took a Cheerio. And wanted a steak. No, he can't he make it. A bunch of that's Cheerios. the same thing I was going to say. He can't make a Cheerio into like a porterhouse. He okay. Can, he, it could be a tiny Cheerio-sized porterhouse. <laughs> but if he had like a cup of Cheerios. Yeah. It's the same mass. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Len, Carl, and Chris, thanks for being patrons. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. And that's where you can go to help the show out directly. We think everyone does that. We talked about it last time. We had realized times are tough and people have already said they've had to scale back. And we, we have no problem with that. If you need to, do what you, it's important for you and your family first. But at the same time, we had actually had a huge uptick in people joining up, even just under the $1 level after we talked about it last week and how important it was to us. And so, hey, listen, if you're listening to the show and you think you can just afford a dollar a month, even though times are tough and jobs are uncertain, then we, we do appreciate the over that patreon.com slash ifanboy. And you get a lot for it. As we mentioned last time, uh, our stretch goal was temporarily hit when we had our eccentric benefactor, who's going to be on next week's show. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. And uh, so we had the non-comics media podcast unlocked. We did the first episode, and we're going to do another one. We're going to do another one this month because why not? We are stuck here, and uh, we have nothing to do. So we're going to do one more of those. You can look forward to that. Also, um, the other stretch goal was putting our missing video shows up to our YouTube channel. And I've actually been looking at that channel this week. And we did about, Josh, we did about 277-ish episodes. There was a couple of ones we didn't number here and there, like the Darwin Cook one we did at the very end a couple of years later. So we did about 200, let's just say 280 episodes. And there's about, a hun- about 180 through 280 are on, are on the site. So about 100 episodes. But that means 180 of them aren't. So if you're looking for, the, for more content from us, Get that stretch goal back up, and we will do that for you. Also, exciting news, ifanboyatthreadless.com. We added a new shirt design. We told you we would. This was, this was not one we planned, so we came up with I, this, this I, week. I didn't believe us. <laughs> we came up with it this week, 
and executed it within 24 hours of coming up with the idea, and it's now for sale on fmbytheirless.com. It's our new design called Stay Home and Read Comics. You can you can find it um, on our social media, and it's a, it's the message for our times. Stay home. Don't go outside. Stay home and read your comics. you got enough of them. Read old ones. Read new ones. And you can find that at fmbytheirless.com. The... The news about that is we're going to give a portion of our proceeds, I believe, of 50% of our profits to comic stores in need. We haven't figured out exactly how that's going to happen yet because there's not a central um, fund for them. But we're going to figure out the best way to disperse those funds. And we're not talking about millions of dollars or thousands of dollars. It's, <laughs> it's going to be hundreds of dollars. And so we're going to try to do the best we can with that money to help comic stores in need. So um, you can get a cool shirt. And you can have a cool message, and you can help comic stores in need at fmwithatthrillist.com with a new shirt. Stay home and read comics. And, of course, fmwithatcom slash support. Is how you can help us out via PayPal directly. And fmwithatcom slash Amazon uh, is how you can help out by buying books. We talk about the book explode or other general things if Amazon is still working in your, in your area and not on strike. And uh, we thank everyone who does that. Help support the show. It is our part-time job. And uh, we do appreciate everyone who helps keep the show going. All right, so now we have a new segment, G.I. Joe Corner, and to help us celebrate the addition of this corner to our room, we've added in our old host, our buddy, jo- uh, <laughs> our old host, wow. our buddy, Ron Richards. It's certainly, not, it's, it's certainly not Josh Flanagan, if you're talking about buddies. But, <laughs> I got like uh, four hey, hours of sleep last night. The first so, thing you say is that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I just been on this show in years. <laughs> <laughs> so just to give everybody context... Uh, the doors to the corners have been locked, and I've been outside silently knocking, and they finally <laughs> unlocked one for G.I. Joe for me. So it's great yeah. to be back. You might hear some uh, babies in the background because I have babies now. So Look, I've uh, done a few few of these guest stints before, and I have yet to do one with Ron. So this oh, is... this is great. Yeah, this is a, yeah, this is a, this is a, a first time for us. All right. Excellent. So, so, we, you know, longtime listeners will know we love G.I. Joe. We love talking about G.I. Joe. And... In, in you know during this weird time, Hasbro released to YouTube their original GI Joe episodes uncut, including the bumpers, although not including the PSAs, unfortunately. That uh, so we we figured, hey, why not talk about the cartoon? We've always talked about it in the past. Why not rewatch them and actually talk about them uh, one episode at a time? So we're talking about GI Joe: Real American Hero. This is the Cobra Strikes the Mass Device Part One, which originally aired September twelfth, nineteen eighty three. Directed by Dan Thompson, written by Ron Friedman, who's also the producer for Marvel Productions. Marvel, as anyone who watched uh, How the Toys Are Made, uh, was hired by Hasbro to create the characters and the story that would compel the children to buy the toys. Because at the end of the day, just like the, car- the comic we talked about, Batman, it's all about buying the toys. So uh, this was... You do the same thing now, it's just for adults. Right. <laughs> so this was a first part of a, I guess, a five-part story that it was Monday through Friday was the. They, yeah, they used to do the. They did the the <clears throat> daily part, you know, the a week's worth of content in uh, the stream, which in cartoons back in the day they used to be one and dones. Yeah. And the fact that these are all uh, uh, sequential was amazing. Yeah. So this is the first twenty-two minutes, as uh, we get introduced to all the toys you can buy, all the vehicles in the opening. And throughout the episode, and we get we hang out with the GI Joes, and of course, I took notes. I don't know where they went. Um, <laughs> so well, that's just the way it goes. Uh, so this was fun, guys. What do you the, think? So, so I I couldn't remember. I don't. At first, I was like, I don't remember seeing this originally, because you know, Snake Eyes looked completely different. And it was okay, so, so early. that was Snake Eyes, right? Yes, it was. Wait, that was the original design for Snake Eyes from the original uh, the early days of the of the. 
of the car- uh, comic was the yeah. no, no no gloves and the old visor. I love that design of Snake Eyes. I, I, Me too. What I what I love about that is that there's absolutely no context to who he is or why he doesn't talk. There's no context to anything. Don't even address him. Well, so first of all, Jim slightly younger than us. So. Uh, <laughs> Jim, did you, I assume you were too young in 1983 to be watching this cartoon. Um, right. did, what is your history with G.I. Joe ca- cartoons? Have you seen them? Have you watched them? Have you read the uh, comic? What is your G.I. Joe fandom? Uh, my G.I. Joe fandom uh, came to, um, with the, I guess, three and three-quarter figure figures, I guess. Mm-hmm. the um, And that was then that was like really it uh i think my first this is awful but my first like real uh interaction with gi joe was just that awful awful live action movie uh both of them um that makes sense for your age like <laughs> yeah just for like for our, for your context for us because you don't know uh you know this was every day at three or whatever yeah, every day after Sometimes school it, you ran home to watch the next chapter of gi joe every yes. every kid in my school did it i mean in 83 you know, we were a certain age, and uh, I feel like I must have picked it up. It was, later. it was. I, I want to say it was like three thirty or four o'clock on Channel Eleven, Connor. Yeah. Yes, it was, and I, I remember even in kindergarten, you know, we had GI Joe comics and we had the toys, and we, which we played played in the block area with the blocks. We made little bases for them, and then we would you know talk about the cartoon every day. So this was a major which, thing for kids our age at the time. Which brings me to my first note about this show. I was like, this is very violent. I mean, it was like missiles, explosions. Like, I know there's the joke forever that, like, nobody hits anything and the guns are lasers, not bullets. But those were not fake well, missiles. That, but that was the, but that was that was the thing was that, yeah, it was lasers. It was blasters. And no one no all anyone did was fall down. Like it, it followed the star. The, like once Star Wars did the whole thing where we had shoot people with lasers and show no blood. Um, it, it feels like everyone's like, well, we can do whatever we want, and it, you're right, it was lots of explosions, but it was lasers, like, but, but also, but like but, but there was sound effects explosions. of it was the sound effects of real guns, yeah. yes, which yeah. is surprising to me. It was clearly shooting lasers, but they used machine gun sound effects, which I think they must have gotten rid of really soon later because and, it wasn't throughout the show, and, yeah. And, all, and also, like, you just you just you you like you just like lightly tap on a Cobra Hiss tank and it blows up, <laughs> yeah. Or the, or the Star Striker or anything. It, I yeah. liked the fact that it didn't. I know. I know. I criticized a comic earlier for this, but it didn't give you any context. And I guess because I knew the context didn't matter to me. But if you're a kid, it's just like who is Duke? Who is Scarlet? Who is Stalker? Who is Snake Eyes? I was trying to put my mindset in if it, in 1983 watching this and like. First off, you know, you've got a terrorist organization no, that knows where your base is and is attacking it within the first five minutes of the show. Duke, maybe flirt with Scarlet a little less. I noticed that. <laughs> like, like we, we were watching it and we were like, whoa, Duke coming on strong, coming in hot. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, it, so if you don't know, in the comic book at the same time, the basically the main character of the comic was Snake Eyes. And in the comics, Snake Eyes and Scarlet were an item. But in 1983... You couldn't have the main character be someone who couldn't speak. So Snake Eyes or was... Or show his face. Or right. show his so face. Snake Eyes was like, relegated to the background. Duke took his spot as, dance, the main, though. as the main character and Scarlet's love interest. And so Snake Eyes is just sort of in the back doing cool ninja stuff in the background, but never really in the foreground all that much in the in the cartoon. And Duke becomes the main character, the Aryan hero. And... Um, but I did like that it was sort of very it was very focused. I mean it was basically two Wow, the the Aryan hero Connor. Well, every, get, the, think about think about the early eighties. All the heroes were like blonde. Oh, you know, yeah, you had Luke no. Skywalker, oh, you had one of the Duke brothers. I mean that was just yeah. the thing with um, Connor's woke now. So 
Um, <laughs> so, but I like that it was focused. Man, I've been out of it. Connor's woke. <laughs> you had Duke and Scarlet and Snake Eyes and Stalker were sort of the main four, and then you had some other ones on the side. You had like we saw glimpses of like Gung Ho, and there was Breaker um, was Breaker. in there. I like Breaker. Who was the blonde guy with Breaker? He's the guy. He had a helmet. That was him with his helmet off. I forget the character's name, but later in the episode, Flash? he had is that that thick helmet? Um, no, it's not Flash. I don't think it was Flash. Zap. I, 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 it might have been Zap. No, Zap was later, I thought. Because Flash um, was no, the tank driver. One. Yeah. No, Zap was was original team. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It was it was at the 15 minute mark. He's hand, he's sitting there with Stalker and Breaker. Anyway, it was a, it was a relatively focused team. It wasn't sprawling yet. Yeah. And and relatively similar to the comics in terms of the lineup. Um, can, can we discuss then that that cause we could literally this could turn into an hour thing? We can't. We just can't. Um, it's funny because you mentioned that his tanks would blow up, but really Cobra has a pretty impressive infrastructure. Yeah, <laughs> they have uh, an underground castle. Crazy there, there's, underground there's a, castle. Yeah. There's a large sports arena of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's, there's a lot. Go- I mean, say what you will about the quality of their production, but the sort of scope of what they were able to do and the resources where those came from, uh, that, that's impressive. And technology. I mean, they have the ability to, to uh, you know, ha- grab the satellite, take it over with these discs, <laughs> and then then just transport anything they want to anywhere in the world, including taking Duke away, and, and now he's the captive in this arena where he's got to fight well, for the pleasure well, of the Cobra. And they, also, and, they also have, and they also have mind control headbands, which, by the way, solved, this episode solved one of the biggest mysteries I've had about all my years of watching G.I. Joe, because as the years have gone on, the credits would be contained stills from episodes, and Destro's still was the one of him holding that joystick, mm-hmm. and for years I never knew where that came from, and now I know. Oh, right. Yeah, so... Uh, we would have been just a little over five when these came out, and I know I'd seen them, but I mean they would have been into reruns probably by the time that I started watching yeah, these. Yeah. And so we, I don't, I, yeah, I remember because on, on Channel Eleven in New York and WPIX would air GI Joe reruns and Transformers on Sunday mornings um, because that was the the battleground of my epic fight with my parents. On uh, I didn't want to go to church because I wanted to watch Transformers, but I, <laughs> I could watch GI Joe, and then we'd have to leave to in, to, to go to church, uh, for, and I'd miss Transformers. But that's another thing. Um, but I don't remember being caught up Thanks on cur- current episodes. In until the uh, the Sergeant Slaughter, the 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 oh the wow, BET, that's the, really not later. The BET, but like, yeah, that was that was years later. That was like '86, right? Oh, yeah. I was so, in before um, that. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I but, but that's when memory wise, I remember being like current, like with current episodes. So there were years of reruns that we watched. So. I don't think I was even aware of which was which, but I think you could kind of tell which one was earlier. The thing that the image from this one that I remembered the best was when he's in the arena. And the people have all the mind control bands on. I was like, oh, I remember this. And it's, it was creepy then. And it's you know, creepy considering now. how. Oddly, but oddly how my, is Cobra my, not a world power? That's what I was about to say. <laughs> considering the resources they have, the money they clearly have for, for infrastructure and vehicles and all the yep. people, they could easily either bribe well, their way into power or just roll, you know, con- roll in I, instead of yeah. their obsession with G.I. Joe, just roll into a small country and take it over. <laughs> right. I got one. I got one word. I got one word for you. Leadership. <laughs> Vacuum <laughs> of marketing. Right. So clearly, no, clearly, though, you, you know, in the arena, you have a, the, the, the two, you know, Cobra Commander and Destro sitting on two thrones. This really introduces us to the beginning of the power yeah. struggle yes. within the Cobra leadership. Right. Yes. Yeah. I like the introduction of Destro. That was cool with the the robe and like 
he's the most he's the most flashy arms dealer in the planet. Did every I assume everyone knew that Baroness was the undercover yes. agent in, well, in yes. I knew that, but I was I was watching this with my wife and kids, yeah. and when Baroness took off her rubber mask, and my wife goes, "Oh, and apparently she just dropped forty pounds too." <laughs> <laughs> They've got full body masks. It's like Mission Impossible, was, Tom Cruise. Um, um, Oddly enough, my, my only memory, my other memory of this episode was Major Blood in the pigsty. For some <laughs> reason, I, I remember that imagery, which I don't know why I remember that, but still. <laughs> but Major Blood just runs headlong into a fight no matter what. And just and like no consequences or nothing. Just just he just they just run at each other. Constantly. He's the field leader. That yeah. dude is not afraid of death. Even a little bit. <laughs> well, he's got that cool helmet on. Why would you be? So the the whole story here is that they've got this device, the mass device, they, which they've hijacked from G.I. Joe and allows them to transport anything, anywhere. And so we see in the credit, we see in the cool, I always forgot about the, like, coming this week on G.I. Joe, we see them transporting their army all around the world. We see them stealing armies. We see them taking the Eiffel Tower. Like, it's going to be a whole big mess that G.I. Joe has to undo Um as they have the mass device and also save Duke from imprisonment with and the mind control device. So I'll tell you what, this show though, great music. <laughs> yes. Great music. Mm-hmm. It moves. And the show moves. Was, the, it yeah, moves the, fast. The, Jim is right. The music is great. And Connor, right. The, 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 the speed of the show is great. I can't think of a better representation of the eighties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Just like it was just it cocaine just really, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, like guns, explosions, good music. You got, you know, you know, Cold War icy era. redhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know what issue was interesting is that um, it was uh, hand drawn animation. I mean, yeah. it was it was yeah. outsourced. You know, the sort of you know the, the well, everything that, everything was back then. Sure, no, I know, I know, but that was the point. It wasn't like the Disney stuff where they were all sitting around doing it. But really, I, you know, I don't see hand drawn animation all that much anymore. And now it looks so antiquated not in a bad way it doesn't look worse it's just like all oh, right this is how things work but the matte paintings in this are amazing yeah like the backgrounds and, and i was like those are wonderful pieces of art and i know i saw i saw russ heath's name in the credits yeah. uh as a uh i think a vehicle designer or character designer, character designer. One of, he was a character yeah um which is awesome and you know like comic people this was this was related to comics well, very marvel made it it was marvel's yeah. thing i mean they did the they did the comic and the show they they created the mythology the story of the, i mean that hasbro created the look and feel of the characters the actual toys and marvel did the rest so it's a very much a comic thing whenever we thought we'd cover gi joe people would say why are you covering it it's basically a marvel property mm-hmm. um despite the fact that it's owned by hasbro so yep. that's episode one the mass device and uh, YouTube just jumped me to part two, and I should feel like I want to watch right now, but I'm going to pause it. It's very hard not to get sucked into it. I will agree. Like I had to, I, I constantly, and I know it's a setting. So everyone, don't please don't at me, but I know it's a setting in YouTube that you can turn off autoplay with the next one. I just haven't done it yet, and so I'm constantly in the fight with my remote control and my Android TV to keep it from playing the next video. So <laughs> it's a fun game I like to play. So you know. So we're gonna get come back as we go through this weird time to cover the rest of the Mass Device story and see where we go from there. Um, yeah. So that was Cobra Strikes, the Mass Device Part 1 from G.I. Joe Real Milk and Hero. That was G.I. Joe Corner. Thanks, Ron, for joining us. My pleasure. And before I go, I know you guys have been talk, probably talking about what's going on in comic books and stuff like that. I just want to remind everybody, go to Marvel.com. We have a list of comic book stores there that you can support. Please support your local comic retailer. Thank you. I miss you guys. I miss my, my I have an actual – I told my comic shop guy, I said, make sure you sign up for that. And he's like, I'll get to it. And then yesterday he 
told me I, I that he did, and he's already gotten a hundred dollar gift certificate sale out of it. That he, he awesome, yeah, totally, it. yeah, yeah. So we're just trying Good to work. we're just trying to do our part in, in spreading the word about local comic shops, and uh, thanks to everybody who's helping local comic shops. And uh, yeah, just it's a tough time, so we're doing every everyone's doing what they can. Uh, All right, well, so Ron will be back soon to talk about more yeah. Joe. I, I, sign me up. I'm, I'm I'm ready to watch every episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. So as we just talked about, it's a weird time in comics. We've been alluding to this the whole time. Obviously, you know you're you're listening to the show. You understand what's happening. Um, I wrote down a loose timeline, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong about what what's how this has gone the last couple of weeks, and we can d- discuss. Uh, so basically, once the virus started spreading, states around the United States and other countries around the world started shutting down non-essential business, businesses, which meant that comic stores started closing. And eventually, uh, the majority of comic stores, I think in America, in the U.S., were closed. At least the stores that were f- that were serving the majority of the population were, had closed. Mm-hmm. And so, without anywhere to ship its product, Diamond announced they were not delivering any new comics to stores, which led to a domino effect of... Uh, at first, most of the smaller companies announcing they would not, obviously not have new comics, and they wouldn't distribute them digitally even. And then DC first announced they would distribute their books digitally, and then within 24 hours, flip-flopped to saying they wouldn't. <laughs> and then Marvel announced they wouldn't do digital comics either for now. And then uh, Diamond announced they were stopping payment to vendors. And then we had this weird thing happen where this product, this product called Comics Hub announced they were going to save the day by allowing you to get comics digitally as a pre-order from stores so you could get the digital book to read it now but eventually you'd get the book when the store when it came out and the payment would go to the stores and then within 24 hours that was dead so i think that's where we are now right there's no there're no physical where books no physical books and for now um, no digital books nothing even the comicsology and uh way we go we have i did some light googling and it looks like we've had at least four stores closing permanently since this has happened mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks, and we assume there'll be more to follow because comic stores run on extremely razor-thin budgets, as most small businesses do, but comic stores really month-to-month razor-thin budgets. Um, so that is where we are, and Jim is as deep in the industry as, as we used to be. Um, what do you make of everything? Uh, it, it's really interesting. I think uh, a lot of the... Like, Diamond, when they first made their announcement... It was a really it's a really weird announcement because they said we're not taking any new books, but we will still deliver the stuff that we have in our warehouse. So please, for the love of God, empty our warehouse, Mm -hmm. which to me is is came off a a little weird in the sense that like everything must go. Yeah, well, but also like if I think they could have gone another week before before doing it but i think the biggest problem and why they said they couldn't is because of the weird cash flow issue that that diamond inevitably always finds itself in um and i think that was the biggest reason to you know initially stop saying we're not sending anything new out because they wouldn't the product wouldn't make it to the majority of the stores uh and the the product that would make it out that money would not be nearly enough to continue making the payments that they need to to keep the distribution going um it, it, dc was the the really the strangest uh radio silence from them until they were silent yeah until they made an announcement on a saturday in a dc retailer facebook group 
that then you know they you know put their statement out via the, the media afterwards but for them you know they're like uh you know yes you know no new books are shipping but you should be able to get some digital books coming up and obviously retailers were were not happy about that because in their eyes sending you know customers to di- there's a this mentality that if you you know send a customer to digital they will probably not come back uh, for print um, and there's various arguments kind of for and against all of that i i don't believe they're different that i think they i think they're different i think you know digital reader has be- has become a digital reader and i think the and the growth in that section is much much slower than Really, anything else, right? And I don't. It plateaued. It plateaued really soon, around yeah, at ten percent really of total I, I, total revenue. If, if there was going to be that that cannibalization, we would have seen it way more already, and you just haven't seen that. And, and so we see we see in our readership. I mean, like or our listenership, like the vast majority still buy right. comics in yeah. physical form. And I think you. I mean, some of that will have to go to the fact that you know. They they refuse to sell digital comics at a lower price, which is sure. a protection against comic shops, which I, I understand. Comic shops are necessary, absolutely. But it doesn't give a true picture of sort of what those people are. But because of that, people say, well, I'm going to spend four bucks. I may as well have the issue. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're right. That hasn't changed. That seems to have plateaued. So they're, they're different markets. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they could change if they I mean, Josh and I are Comixology uh, customers. I've been a Comixology customer for like seven years. I haven't bought a book in a comic store other than this miracle um, comic store exclusive hardcover. I haven't bought a co- something from the comic store in seven or eight years. Um, we got an email here from Rashad B. We got a lot of emails, a lot of panicked, sad, worried, scared emails, and we're going to try to pepper them into this discussion. Rashad B. wrote in and said, what is your opinion of the comic book industry refusing to sell digital comics because they can't sell physical? The excuse is that they'll help your local comic store and stay in business, and I'm sure it can't hurt, but unless Marvel, DC, whoever aren't actually paying the rent and utilities for comic stores during the lockdown, then the store's going to close anyway. Now the tiny bit of digital fan base you had might not be there because you told them you don't want their money. These guys and gals are going to buy something else digital, be it movies or video games, and may not come back, and your print fans would rather read... Uh, your, your print fans would rather read... And are glad digital. Re- uh, there's a whole bit about sticking it to di- physical readers. So it doesn't make. It's not important. Um, it's like telling your kid you can't get a driver's license because your neighbor's car broke down, even though you weren't using his car for the test anyway. So basically, there's an angry digital reader who um, is upset that because he is not a comic store cu- customer, he he can't he can't uh, be serviced either. And I'm I'm a little bit on Rashad's side. I mean, I. I I, I know a lot of retailers and there are a lot of good ones and I'm not advocating retailers shut down, but at the same time, I'm not a retail customer. But I think the biggest, I think the, the biggest thing here is, is that comic book piracy is so rampant that, and fast and, and vast Ooh. that if you put those books out, dig, you put those books out digitally, even like, sure, there's going to be the audience that's going to buy, that's going to buy those books, but I would say, you know, not, this is not to demonize print fans, but I would I would say that if someone wanted to read the story or for whatever reason, they'll find a, they'll find a different way. But isn't that than, true anyway? Any Wednesday, like they could uh, they could they could get the book. Right. Sure, but I think that's but I think it's more like if you put the digital file out there, um, it's 
it I would say it potentially drives that demand up a bit more because well to me to me the reason the reason why people are remaining physical customers for the most part and this is certainly not everybody is that they want the product for their collection right the collectability aspect. so I don't really see a vast majority of of print readers staying with digital be- and then ne- never going back and getting the issue when they can be- because they have their long box with their 50 issues in a row of Batman and they want to keep it going. Mm-hmm. But I don't see them skipping yeah, think- issue over four issues because they already read them digitally. That's what I'm saying. But there's, a- there's also the the aspect too, though, of like keeping up with the story and the entertainment, right? And so, right. you know, spoilers are, are a very real thing. And so if they're out digitally and they, you know, you're a print reader and you want to experience the story that way, what you are you going to have to go into a, a social media black hole to try and avoid that stuff. Um, so like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I see it on both sides, but I believe, um, I think the piracy is probably the, the biggest roadblock for publishers to say, okay, let's go ahead because the money I imagine they make on that wouldn't make a difference. And so, so why screw one larger, bigger audience, even if it's a perceived, you know, screwing? Um, I mean, that is a point to just, you know, if the, 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 the total market for digital is almost in, inconsequential, say it's 10%, yeah. you know, and, and you've got Amazon taking a big bite out of that, um, you know. It's, not However, it's, it's, at, it's still $100 million. And for, okay, for companies fair. looking for revenue... It's. I mean, it seems strange. But that, but that doesn't offset the overhead of having to have all that stuff produced. Even if it's a hundred million dollars of your costs, there's no way that their costs are one tenth. They don't have a ninety percent margin on these things, so they wouldn't be able to pay to have those things produced to get a ten percent of the revenue they were expecting. Right. But the other thing is this: at the end of the day, if comic book shops come back online, they start shipping and they start going out physically. Are comic shops going to be able to sell all that back stuff? This is actually a pro-anti. This is, I guess, anti-digital. <laughs> a, a pro-anti. Uh, if you know, if if all of this stuff had been coming out digitally this whole time, and then when the comic shops open back up, and then there's a backlog of stuff, and people aren't going to be able to buy all that stuff, and that could make people drop off. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, but I I think they're going to have to do what the movie industry's been doing, right? They're just going to have to shift the schedule. Yes, I think they're going to have to like you know what Marvel was going to have Empire start. Uh, I guess and this week DC had whatever they were going to do. Uh, it, it was all carefully planned and plotted to match right. up with with anniversaries and things. And that's all going to get blown to hell. Yeah, and so like they're just going to have to resume the schedule from where it left off, as opposed to uh, because at the same time, like uh, there are a number of printers that, that are shut down. Uh, yeah, DC's printer so, shut down. Yeah, so they so they can't make the books. I mean, they can still produce the books and, and get ahead. And so, you know, you will, you will likely not have a late book for a while. Um, to, but to be fair also, like I work in printing and there's a print, a lot of printers open. Printers are often in the sure. US are categorized as essential. There's ways to do it, but they don't always print everything in the same place. The single issues are printed in Canada and the trades in China. So those, what's happening right. in those countries is different than what's happening in America in terms of printers. Right. I think, the, I mean, trades are obviously a lot easier, you know, for the for the uh, publishers to produce. I think it's the uh, comics getting the, you know, they they all have a plus pricing right now as far as you know printing comics and stuff goes. And so um, I don't, you know, they're not. I don't even if they look for alternatives, I don't know if they're going to necessarily get that, and if it makes sense for their margins. Mm. 
So I think one of the things that happened when this first announced was that, you know, the expected reaction was, oh, shit, the comics industry is about to go out of business. And I don't think that's the case. Yeah. But do we think it's going to be, and this is all we should mention, wild and spec- wild speculation. Yep. No one knows what's going to happen. But considering the precarious financial nature of much of the industry, do we think it's going to be changed or it'll just, go back, it'll just be that we go back to business as usual once we get, get things settled out? I, w- I want to believe that there will be things that come out of this that will change the that will that will change the industry. Right. You know, I, in an ideal world, it would change it for good. I think a lot of what we are learning now is, you know, the the big big apparent holes and issues with Diamond as the sole distributor of comics. Uh, I was going to say I was I was trying to think of a way to say this the other day. It didn't sound terrible, but. The fact is, we, anybody who knows anything, uh, has been saying for years that this model is unsustainable. Yep. Or, or it, precarious, if something like this would happen. Right. Which would, this would be... Right. And, and, and this, it's just proving that out. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't, you know, I think the real problem is that, you know, nobody knows what the solution would be. Like, yes, you're right. This doesn't work. This has problems. Well, what do you do? No idea. I don't know that there's a solution for it. So that is, but... I, I think there's there is a a world in a future where look so much of the um, I guess wealth of the industry is tied up in maybe top and fought with five retailers yeah. right and I think there there is a future where you can have Midtown Comics has always been a you know has always been incredibly smart in how they how they handle their business same with DCBS I could see that those two already have such robust subscription plans and whatever that if they if midtown got another you know uh, a warehouse or two and really wanted to expand their operation right i can see i can see a future where like midtown and dcbs or you know even uh, lone star are um are getting into that game where it's you know you break up the diamond of it all and you have options to 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 get your comics, and, and we're talking of, only about the single issues because there are right, this, there are options for stores to get trades from places other than sure, Diamond, and many got, of the smart ones Ingram, use those. You have options. Ingram and yeah. and uh, you know Penguin Random House, um, Hachette. Like there are still plenty of other distributors for um for you know like collected editions and things like that. And I think this may be the opportunity where some of them, if they can make the numbers work right, really step in and take a bite out of. Uh, you know the the hold that Diamond's got on it, and I know there already are some retailers who who use some of them, and so I think this is this is a real sort of make or break kind of moment if they can if the publishers and you know some of the smarter retailers can figure out a way to diversify the distribution um, of comics. But it, what's going to happen is it's it's going to need to be an effort where Marvel and DC and and Image and some of the other top publishers all come together and say, yeah, we'll commit to this. Because it's going to take all of them to commit. For no, nothing to happens without Marvel, DC, and Image getting involved, right. as we saw this week with Comics. Out. Right, but I but, but I don't think Marvel can go out and do it on its own. I no. think Marvel well, they, potentially that's, that's has the hubris in the first to try. Place. Yeah, I think Marvel has the hubris to try again. Uh, but I think they they <laughs> even they know at this point that like this is going to have to be a uh, a Marvel and and everything that I've. I've heard and been told is that like, you know, they, no one is ready to, to abandon diamond yet, but I think people are looking to find ways where diamond is not the only solution. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think the thing that 
isn't so i mean like it's it, i love the way that you said that i think marvel has the hubris to try it again <laughs> but the, the reality is that like marvel and dc both need comic shops and comic shops need both marvel and dc yeah so while they are rivals they are um symbiotic like they need each other to be successful mm-hmm. you know one of them each one who wants to be number one but you know and they need image to a oh if, if, if either one of those companies somehow collapsed the the industry collapses you can't mm-hmm. you can't have comic stores losing 30 40 percent of their revenue yeah it'd be worse than this um there's an email from Andrew from Spain who says, uh, considering the diamond has halted distribution, do you think COVID-19 will collapse the sale of physical comics for years to come? If the diamond shutdown can cause the permanent closure of enough LCSs, could that cause diamond to go bankrupt after losing that business? Without another distribution company, the whole system is sensitive to collapse. Do you think the profit margins are thin enough for this to be a possibility? Is there a death spiral for the industry if enough stores go out of business? Because this could last three, four months. I, mean, uh, yeah. I don't think so. I think, it, but it, and it, I think it really comes back down, comes down to the point where so much of the money is tied into five or six truly mega retailers. Yeah, sure. That as See, long and as people may not know that that there's there's yeah, basically five stores true. in the U.S. that that buy most of the comics from Diamond. Yep. And the, the other ones are it's, small, down, it's Lone Star, it's DCBS. Um, uh, it's still Mile High. Mile High, I think, is probably on that list. But still, like your local comic shops could be changed drastically. And I think yes. that what oh, will happen sure. is you will see a lot of the smaller shops and even the mid-sized ones, the ones who are really good. Although people who have diversified, you know, people who have like a, a gaming or a Pokemon section or whatever that make, you know, magic cards or whatever it is, they might do okay. And those are still those are traditionally the most successful shops anyway, whereas the comics are just a part of it. But a lot of those are going to go under, and I'm guessing eventually uh, new shops will replace them. This has happened before. Well, and that, and that's really that's what I think is is probably going to happen. It is going to be sad to see a lot of the the smaller stores. And no close. one wants a single store to go to business, right? No, absolutely not. But I think what will happen is is that, um, you know, whatever shakes out from all this, I'm sure plans will be put into place to make it more appealing for new shops to open. Um, I, you know, I, I can tell you like the diamond rolled out a new store initiative, uh, just a couple years ago. And, uh, a buddy of mine opened up a shop in the, t- in the town that I, uh, I live in, in Tennessee. And, uh, you know, it was a store that, that thrived. There was only one, the one, maybe two other shops in town. Um, but he came in at the right time, took advantage of all those opportunities and was able to really build and, and he diversified the business of course, but like really build a solid store. And so it, you know, for him, it sucks that he's going to have to close for right now, which seems like only a couple of weeks, but maybe a month or two, uh, has diversified his stuff enough. And, you know, obviously, had enough to you know that he's able to float a month or two but still at the same at the end of the day it's initiatives like that that i think will also you know bring new potential retailers or, or you know to the table um when I, mean, also, I, I think it's important to realize that this i don't know if this is this is me trying to be optimistic maybe but the, there is an upside yeah. to this uh in a way because you know it was not it's not it is not a healthy system it hasn't been for a long time so, you know, when, and whenever you force change on people, that hurts a lot of people inadvertently. There's collateral damage. There's things like, you know, and if it's going to happen anyway, 
then it would be a really interesting time if if we you know saw systemic improvements, if we saw uh, other options, if we saw innovation, if we saw you know. Hopefully that helps. And the problem that is me as the cynical side is that we, every time we try to see that, they, there's a group of retailers who get together and smash it down. That's true. Uh, I will say, and this is probably a, a hot take, but I do not believe uh, Comics Pro is uh, healthy for the industry one bit. Um, there's a lot, there are some good there are some good retailers in that group, but I think as a whole. Um, when you have a, a selection of, of retailers trying to mandate and um, direct the the industry in a way that may not be the best for everyone, uh, gets in you, you get yourself into a lot of trouble there. I feel like a lot of the I mean, and I mostly know that in terms of sort of the opposition to digital, which I understand because I think that they look, I think that they look at like if you were looking at music the same way, then they see comics like CDs. Yeah. And therefore, digital come along and destroy CDs. They should look but at like I vinyl. See comic, I, I, that's what I was about to say. I see, I see comics like vinyl because, you know, your, your, your market, your customer base, they want those records to hold. They want those comics mm-hmm. to hold. The market to those people, not the people who want the content on them necessarily or you want the crossover of that in in that in that venn diagram there is a lesson mm-hmm. to look at the the rise in vinyl and how you, if you treat mm-hmm. it correctly and you treat comics that way you can you cannot lose the collector customer in fact you can grow that base while you can, and you can convert people who maybe are reading on their ipad who want that uh artifact but i mean the problem is and i, and I get it it's their own livelihood that they're defending but mm-hmm. anytime that any kind of new solution is brought up, it gets cudgeled into the into the dirt by the yep. by a group of retailers, and it's not every retailer. And I don't want to come off as anti-retailer here because I'm a digital customer, but it's it's it just it happens over and over and over again, and that's part of the reason why the comic industry still looks like it does from the '70s. Yeah, it blows my mind that there isn't really a easy plug-and-play uh, point-of-sale system that is widely adopted that is not uh, that hasn't you know, truly been rolled out. I, I know a lot of that needs to come from, it probably needs to be subsidized from, from the publishers in a certain form or fashion, but that kind of, that kind of blows my mind. My, my instinct is always that the, the profit margins are relatively thin for some parts of it. And then for others, they just don't care to invest in it. Yeah. Or, you know, that nobody's willing to take the risk or make the investment because the, the chances of it actually paying back, like it would be awesome to have, but it might be the expense is just too much to bear for anyone. Yeah, I just remember hearing stories about like there. I mean, there was a point in you know, I think it was two or so decades ago, like Marvel subsidized cash registers right. for retailers, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, like, to me, this just feels like the that next step. Yeah, uh, I thought since since Jim was here, who used to work at Marvel, we, this would be a good question to answer um, about the actual creation of the books. Tony B. From San Diego, California. As I've been watching news that TV shows and movies are shuttering production for now, it occurs to me that our favorite medium might be ideally suited for that age of social distancing. I may be mistaken, but I have the impression that most of the creative work is done by solitary writer and artist, and that a lot of the collaboration is done long distance. Is this true? Also, I'm quite happy that my second favorite medium, podcasting, also lends itself to our current situation. Mm. I've been thinking about this for three weeks. Um, <laughs> your, your, your second favorite medium of comic podcasting also lends itself uh, to barely being sustainable economically, and it's a hobby, <laughs> so that's helpful. But if you had any way to... It's a lot of parallels. Advertise. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, this guy's a good point. So yes, comics—the actual creation of comics. There's no Marvel bullpen. They're made, they're done in their ho- their own houses, and they're they're done remotely by mm-hmm. sol- lonely, solitary comic creators who are now having breakdowns on Instagram. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> although Rick Remender doesn't make comics anymore. Uh, so, but Jim, so from a but from a production side, can the actual comic be put together and released? It yeah, remotely? Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. Production of comics is does it's not gonna require keep, an office in any way. Does not. Not even a little bit. You can do everything that you need to from from home. Um, like all the way up the chain. Yeah. Up the pro- yeah, because a lot of it, a lot of it is just passing. It's passing files along, right? Right. Like we're not. We have. I think we've gotten fairly far away from the days where pencilers would mail their pages in to go to an inker and then you know come back or whatever like i think so a lot of that is either done digitally at this point with uh, a lot of modern artists or are you know pencils are being scanned in sent to an inker inkers are are inking them scanning them up and then it goes to you know a colorist and the the rest rest goes on Uh, i think the the biggest thing that we'll see is uh are there books that are lower down the line or they're down really more down the, the sales food chain that will those continue? Does it make sense to make another issue of consolidate the consolidate the line a bit? Right. Does it make sense? To, yeah. For like, you know, book X that's number, you know, four ninety nine on the top 500 list. If it's, you know, number three of a five part miniseries that, that may not finish. Um, but everything, yeah, I mean, all, all the top books and all the, everyone is still working. Um, you know, the, you know, editors at both, at both the, the big two publishers are all working, you know, they're working from home. They send notes the same way they did when they were sitting in their office. Um, so that comics will still be made. It's just a matter of when can we get them? You know, what's interesting is that, I mean, I'm seeing this in some businesses as well, you know, doing this experiment, doing this thing, it's really going to make people rethink the need to have offices. Yes. So that well, you're you're a, you're an introvert and don't like going in an office. So I think that would no. be a horrible detriment to the American psyche or the human well, psyche on. if everyone worked from home from now on. No, I have a, I have a. There is absolutely an importance to some form of that, and certainly, Connor, you know this because we used to work for a company sort of remotely. Worked for a company that was in England, and there's a, a huge strength to going to know those people and see them physically and actually recognize them as real people as opposed to people just on the other side of an email. But the same format of constantly having everybody, you know, in the same place, and the huge uh, uh, cost of that, the infrastructure that you know that's that's killing your margins. Um, that idea of that could shift, and and maybe it's just a little bit. But if they they're shaving off some of their their fixed costs, then then that changes the game a little bit. Something sort of similar to what, or the counterpoint to what Jim said about marginal books. Couldn't this be an interesting time to release those marginal books that maybe don't have a huge audience to people who are desperate for comics? Good point. Maybe. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of this is an experiment to see if people. Yeah, I mean, I think like Valiant, Valiant, I believe, is putting out a a large number of old number ones. You know, making them available for free. So is Dark Horse. So is Dark Horse. I think Marvel just made Unlimited their Marvel Unlimited thing for free for a little bit, Um, and so 
I mean, probably not. My feeling is people are stuck in their ways no matter what. But it's an experiment to see if someone's going to buy Amethyst, if that's the only DC book out there, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Probably not, because people are, the comics industry is stuck in its ways in terms of readership, so who knows? Yeah. Um, is there any other issues before we, we wrap this up, or where do we see, I mean, so we don't think the comics industry is going to collapse. We don't think it's going to go out of business. No, I, we don't think I, gonna... I think we are just in a, a sit and wait. Um, I don't, we don't, we don't think it's going to go all trades, even though that'd be much better. No, yeah, and AT&T is not going to, you know, shut down DC Comics and D- Disney's not going to shut down Marvel Publishing because of this. Like, like those are real fears that, you know, I think I see people out there talking about. Like that's not going to happen. They make a um, shit ton of revenue. Yeah. They yeah, do. I mean it's still it, it, a lot of people like to uh, you know, they're you find a lot of like movie fans try and minimize the the impact that uh, the publishing divisions at both of the big two have on um, the global, you know, the larger global conglomerate that they're a part of. Uh, it's still very important. It's still a lot of money that is being made because so much of all of that feeds into so many other lines of business. Like we just talked about, like DC, like DC is releasing a line of figures that are based off, you know, the animated series. But they're like they've made a comic about that to to sort of go with that, right? And so, toy lines, feeds licensing, movies, feeds consumer consumer products. That's where the real money is made. Like you said, you know what. And, and, and also, like, there's nothing else about the history of comics that is true is that uh, the comics industry is being able to s- squeeze every drop of juice from every stone they've ever had. They're incredible at that. Wait back right. back to Victor Fox in the 30s, you know, to however Marvel does things now. It's it's amazing. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, and so, yeah, so uh, comic comics will be fine. Comics will be different, yes. but comics will be fine. And that's and and I think what I was saying was like different may not necessarily be bad. In some ways, I'm sure it will be. In other ways, it will be better. Yep. Or at least there's an opportunity for it. Uh, let's let's wrap this up with one more email from Chris. Chris writes in and says, "This is a, just a very brief note to thank you for the podcast, both in our shared current crisis and for the, all the previous years of entertainment. I started listening around episode forty something, so it feels like you have accompanied me on many many commutes and other car journeys over the last oh I'm going to guess about fifteen years. I work I work as a family doctor over here in the UK." It was an eerie work week in the past week, and I suspect that things are going to get a lot scarier in the coming months. So I will be looking forward to iFanboy for as a brief moment of fun and normalcy in the week, regardless of whether you are able to talk about comics or not. I wholeheartedly endorse your message of isolation and handwashing. And if you want to alter my patron power to generates unlimited alcohol-based sanitizer from the palms of his hands, I could really use that right now. Come to think of it, after all the con cruds you've experienced over the years, it's surprising this hasn't already been a power. As you appear to be winding down on the patron powers now, if you feel that the patrons or the wider iFanboys would get any pleasure in these dark days from seeing your years of patron powers creativity on one spreadsheet, I have no objections if you would like to make it publicly visible. It has been an honor to contribute a small service to iFanboy by completing this spreadsheet week by week. As a small token of thanks to you guys for producing a show that has meant a lot to me over the years. Wishing you, your families, and listeners safety and good health in the coming weeks. This is from Chris Lewis who is our patron who maintains our weekly spreadsheet of patron powers free of charge. Hold on, hold on. I didn't realize that we had a doctor doing this. I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't. I had no idea. I, I so, feel bad now. <laughs> especially now, because he's still been doing yeah. it. Um, so first of all, we're not close to being done with the patron powers. There's still quite a few. In fact, as we mentioned earlier, we got an influx of new patrons. So we're not, we're not like going to be done next week or anything. But... Um, Josh, I think we should take an executive vote and change his patron power to 
what he wanted, which was to uh, generate unlimited alcohol-based sanitizer from his hands. I love I love the specificity of it being alcohol-based. I just appreciate <laughs> the science behind that. And two, I would offer a blanket. Uh, I would I would offer a blanket uh, change of powers to uh, anyone who is working in the medical field. Yeah. Want to write back in? <laughs> we'll give you a new power. Or grocery store workers. Those are the two that, are, that I'm willing to – you come back to me. Maybe UPS guys. So <laughs> thanks to uh, Chris and all the doctors who – it's a cliche to say, but they're the superheroes right now. I have one You can my, have both. You can keep your old power too. Yeah, you get two. I have one in my family who is currently working grueling hospital shifts and uh, they are incredible. As we said, we said before, as Chris just mentioned, wash your hands. Wash your hands, wash your hands, safe, stay safe and healthy. And thanks to write, for writing in, Chris. And I think we probably will make that spreadsheet eventually um, available for everyone to see. I've just been enjoying it on a personal level because people may not, people don't know this. He also adds his own little snarky commentary to our choices. So that's fun. So, uh, <laughs> And that wasn't okay till I found out it was a doctor. Now it's like... <laughs> Go on, sir. <laughs> Whatever brings you enjoyment, and if that's if that's if making fun of our choices it works for you, that's fine. I, whatever. All I all I hear is, oh, it's a real adult. <laughs> oh, <that's, laughs> okay. I feel smaller now. So, all right. So, thanks to everyone who wrote us in. We just answered a couple of emails we got, but we got a ton of them. Um, people panicking, and we obviously, hopefully, we touched upon it in this long ranging discussion. But there will be comics eventually again. In the meantime, you're gonna get a lot of nonsense on the show. But you can keep writing us in at contact.ifanboy.com, and we will be looking for emails to fill the show time. So this is a good time to ask your questions. We have a ton of backlog we're going to try to make our way through. But if you have new questions, we appreciate those too. Contact.ifanboy.com. Let's wrap the show up. Please. Uh, we uh, There's a books bloat available for you to listen to. Uh, Robin Year One, uh, Chuck Dixon and Javier Polito with some Marcos Martin on that 20-year-old book on Robin's first year. Uh, an Animation Brain Trust episode just came out, Superman Red Sun. I believe people have been waiting for that for a while, and now it is available for you I to listen to and enjoy. It two weeks ago, I think. before We <laughs> recorded it before it all went to real hell. Yeah. So, it's so there, there probably aren't as many... Uh, wash your hands edicts in that one but it's no, still true we might edit those in we might yeah. <laughs> go back and make a special edition of that one um i will tell you i have a talk explode booked uh for next week if i'm not exactly sure when i will put it out but it will be soon after that so there's another one coming up and as you know i won't tell i i flirted with telling you who it is you know just because times are weird but i don't want to break the streak um so another one of those is coming up uh, Connor, we get patron hangouts. Yeah, so one of the one of the benefits is we do a monthly patron hangout with the patrons. We get it on the we get it on the video for an hour and make dumb jokes and have a good time. But last month or last yeah last month we opened it up to the general audience because everyone's stuck inside and and that seemed to work pretty well. So we're gonna do it again for the next hangout. And once again, we're not gonna make this permanent. But while everyone's stuck inside, we we think it's a good thing to get everyone's sense of community. So April eleventh, which is Saturday which is next Saturday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, we're going to have our next patron hangout for everyone. So hopefully you can come and join in the fun. There'll be a post about it on the patron page. There'll be a post about it on ifanboy.com. We'll post about it on our social media channels. But hopefully you can come and enjoy um, So an hour or so of nonsense. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll, like last time, we'll start it a little bit earlier than the official time so you can hang out for longer. And also, as we mentioned earlier, the Media Explode show, we're going to do another one of those just because it's fun. And uh, we don't know how long we'll keep doing that show, but we'll do at least one more. So that's what we can look forward to coming soon this month. 
Jim, what do you got going on in your world? What with no news? <laughs> uh, well, over a comic book, I mean, look, we've, uh, you know, obviously we are still covering the impacts of uh, all of this on the various um, industries that, that we cover, movies, TV, and comics. Um, we've been doing over the last uh, two weeks these uh, hashtag quarantine watch parties, uh, where basically we've picked a movie uh, each night over the last two weeks to uh, just kind of watch together on Twitter. Well, we all press play it at nine o'clock Eastern and, uh, it's been a lot of fun because we've had, like we did Dr. Strange and Scott Derrickson joined along. We did, uh, Shazam, uh, la- uh, two nights ago with David F. Sandberg and, um, uh, which was a lot of fun. We had Kathy Ann for birds of prey and David Wilson for, for bloodshot. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun to just kill an hour or two, uh, watching a movie, you know, We're with just friends. trying to fill the hours now, Jim, that's the <laughs> yeah. name of the game. <laughs> So, uh, you know, if, if, if that seems like something uh, you're interested in or into, you can, uh, you know, just follow Comic Book on, on Twitter. And that's really all the info that you need. Jim, who's in bigger trouble, the comic stores or the movie theaters? Oh, the movie theaters, for sure. There's more money at stake there because it's got bigger implications on yeah, the so rest too. of entertainment. Yeah. All right. So head over to fanboy.com. Well, thanks for coming on, Jim. For comicbook.com is Jim's site where he's the comic book mogul. You can head over there. Maven. Well, the Maven is at Marvel. Now he's a mogul. <laughs> oh, I see. Head over to fanboy.com to find all of our podcasts. You can find uh, special edition shows, Superman Red Sun, right behind this one. You can find The Booksplode, the Robin Your One. You can find years of content, including years of video content as well. You can find out where the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy, following ifanboy on Twitter, or following ifanboy comics on Instagram, where we used to do the best of the week in panels. And uh, that's yeah, Josh. There was a good panel this week. There was like one. You should have posted it. I didn't even find one. Um, joke. Josh said earlier, well, there'll still be a pick of the week. What that is every week, we'll find out. You'll find out You're on pick something. Facebook Something's and getting, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, so there you go. Follow us individually. I'm C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. Josh is J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram. And Jim is Jim Viscardi, V-I-S-C-A-R-D-I on Twitter and Instagram. That's it. You like this shit. Don't worry about the review right now. Yeah. Don't worry about the star rating and review. That's, this is in the, you know, if you want to, that's great. If you're like, what do I do on the internet next? Haven't done that. Go for it. That's fine. Uh, if the show is giving you solace or making you happy or do whatever, just listen to it. That's all that you need to do. Uh, if you think it might help somebody else, you can let them know about it. Just do whatever you need to do. Uh, we always like the last line. I don't think I ever actually read it, but it says help spread the iFanboy love. But what that means is uh, what we're trying to do is make ourselves feel better. And if we make other people feel better and at the same time, that it means a lot to us because I can't help by helping people at the hospital. But, you know, every time one of you guys let us know that that, uh, you know, we've helped you feel better for even a little while, it's it means everything to me and Connor. I know that much. And uh, so thanks. Do that. Spread the iFan by love, but nothing else. Yeah, literally. Uh, so so there you go. Jim, it was a lot of fun to have you on. When, hey, I, when I, I opened I up Skype, it. I saw it was more than a year. And I was like, oh, <laughs> man, that sucks. <laughs> it I didn't feel that. like that. It, it, surely we have done one in between. Well, you, you did the one with Ryan. Like I did one with Ryan. That's yeah. true. I did do one with Ryan. And, and to be fair, time is a rocket ship <laughs> right now. <laughs> and mean, also, it is just wasn't we, I just a child? <laughs> we can uh, we can have you on again because again we don't know what we're doing going forward. So maybe we'll have special guests on more often than we usually do. I will always answer the call. So thanks, Jim. Um, I am Connor, and I'm Josh. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. They don't stay the hell in. 
<laughs> stay, stay home, read comics. <laughs>